Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you two sober chicks. Hi, and welcome back. I hope this April 14th finds you well. I wasn't going to record a shot glass today, but I was with my thrice-weekly women's group Zoom meeting in AA, which is a smaller meeting that we do that is set up with our closest sisters in recovery. And we were reading the 12 and 12 as we do a step per, uh, per meeting. And I can't remember the last time I read step 12 in the 12 and 12. So if you are in the rooms of recovery, whether it's MA, NA, CA, AA, whatever, please pick up a 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book. Where you get big books, you can find it wherever you get your big books. It is the sister book and companion to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the wisdom and the practical application contained in the pages is priceless. And I was just like identifying like crazy with step 12. I was nodding my head. I'm a pretty expressive person and I'm just nodding my head and clapping and highlighting and underscoring and starring. And I thought this is so damn good that I have to read this for the next shot glass. So it's the longest one in the 12 and 12. So I'm just going to read the first half today and I'll read the first half tomorrow. Or maybe I'll just stop at a third. I'm not sure yet. I'll sort of check in with my intuition to see. So without further ado, step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step, and action is its key word. Here we turn outward towards our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. Ooh, that's good, emotional sobriety. Here we begin to practice all 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. I have a feeling I'm going to be reading this in many sections because there's so much I want to comment on. Uh, As we know, those of us in recovery, really, it's about mental and emotional and spiritual and psychological sobriety. Uh, Kind of after you get in, the booze and the drugs and the behaviors are like a side issue almost because we don't indulge in those things for any other reason than we can't cope psychologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so the thing I love about that sentence is it doesn't just talk about us. It's those, us and those about us may find emotional sobriety. No one that I know in recovery, or I should say few people in recovery that I know have not seen a dramatic or drastic shift in the people closest to them in terms of their emotional sobriety. It's almost like it has a domino effect, like a ripple effect. We get better and those of us around us get better. Now at the beginning, and in some cases like my family, 
that didn't work very well. (laughs) Uh, When one person changes, it's kind of like a children's mobile over a crib. If you take one of those little animals or stars or whatever is up there, the rest of the mobile will shake for a bit and it'll be lopsided. And that's often what happens in a family for one of us to be recovered. I know in my family, it changed a lot of dynamics. One of them being, I realized that once I got sober, I had been the driver a lot in terms of how much people had been consuming. And then when I consumed less, my husband, who I was married to at the time, he consumed less, which means he wasn't pouring as many drinks for my brother and my dad. So they consumed less. And by virtue of me becoming sober and me altering my behavior and my reaction to them, their behavior and their reactions also changed uh, for the better. I, I've become more open with my brother and my sister and more loving, and I have received the same um, despite the fact that I have family members that are still actively drinking and using and completely deny not only their own alcoholism, but mine as well. My behavior still changed the dynamics in our relationship. So I love how step 12 talks about the fact that we are a powerful influence in the people around us and in our lives when we get sober. All right, back to the book. When the 12th step is seen in its full implication, it is really talking about the kind of love that has no price tag on it. Uh, The spiritual principle of step 12, by the way, is service. And this is what it's talking about now. Our 12th step also says that as a result of practicing all the steps, we have each found something called a spiritual awakening. To new AAs, this often seems like a very dubious and improbable state of affairs. What do you mean when you talk about a spiritual awakening, they ask? Maybe there are as many definitions of spiritual awakening as there are people who have had them. But certainly, each genuine one has something in common with all the others. And these things which they have in common are not too hard to understand. When a man or woman has a spiritual awakening, the most important meaning of it is that he or she has now become able to do, feel, and believe that which he or she could not do before on his or her unaided strength and resources alone. This is hard because the book always says he, but when my women's groups, I change it to she. So I'll interchange them as I'm reading. He has been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. He has been set on a path which tells him he is really going somewhere, that life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. In a very real sense, she has been transformed because she has laid hold of a source of strength, which in one way or another, she had hitherto denied herself. She finds herself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love of which she had thought herself quite incapable. What she has received is a free gift, and yet usually, at least in some small part, she has made herself ready to receive it. This is what happens in step one. 
when we admit we're powerless and over our addiction and our lives have become unmanageable, that is the moment we're ready to receive new information, new life, a new way of living. It's all about confronting everything that led us to our breaking point and being willing to unlearn it and learn something new. AA's manner of making ready to receive this gift lies in the practice of the 12 steps in our program. So let's consider briefly what we have been trying to do up to this point. I love this in the 12 and 12 because it literally gives a synopsis of what we have just done from steps 1 to 11. It's amazing. I'm going to keep an eye on my time and uh, I will probably do 15, 15 minutes per reading. So step 12 might be broken up into three or four shot glasses, which is so fun. But if you don't think it's fun, that's fine. You can turn this off at any time. Okay, step one. Step one showed us an amazing paradox. We found that we were totally unable to be rid of the alcohol obsession until we first admitted that we were powerless over it. In step two, we saw that since we could not restore ourselves to sanity, some higher power must necessarily do so if we were to survive. Consequently, in step three, we turned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. For the time being, we who were atheist or agnostic discovered that our own group, or AA as a whole, would suffice as a higher power. Beginning with step four, we commenced to search out the things in ourselves which had brought us to physical, moral, and spiritual bankruptcy. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Looking at step five, we decided that an inventory taken alone wouldn't be enough. We knew we would have to quit the deadly business of living alone with our conflicts and in honesty confide these to God and another human being. This is what I shared in my women's group today because I circled all of that step five and I wrote yes with an exclamation point. What aha moment that was for me was I never really thought about what it was talking about, saying that if we take step five alone, then we're we're not going to get it. And it's true because step five is when we tell ourselves, well, we've already done the work in step four, our inventory, and step five is when we tell another human being and we allow God into the process. And in that moment, we are no longer alone with what we have uncovered, with all of our character defects, all of our resentments, all of our anger, all of our uh, sex conduct, and all of our harms against other people. We have brought somebody else into that with us. That is such a powerful thing. It's very therapeutic. Because if we stop at step four, we are holding onto a bag of... I don't know why I said this to my sponsee today, but I said if you stop at step four, because we started step four, it's like holding a basket of rabid fire-breathing dragons. Like, what the hell do you do now? You have to go forward in order to know what to do with these dragons, which symbolize our character defects or our causes and conditions for drinking and using. I don't know where that imagery came from, but it's got to be a Game of Thrones thing. 
At step six, many of us balked for the practical reason that we did not wish to have all our defects of character removed because we still loved some of them too much. Yet we knew we had to make a settlement with the fundamental principle of step six. So we decided that while we still had some flaws of character that we could not yet relinquish, we ought nevertheless to quit our stubborn, rebellious hanging on to them. We said to ourselves, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. Oh, I read that wrong. This I cannot do today, perhaps, this I cannot do today, perhaps, but I can stop crying out, no, never. Uh, I liked my rage. It kept me safe. And when I realized that rage was a driver for me, and that I had to get rid of it as a character defect, it scared me because I thought I'll never be safe again. My rage is what keeps me safe. Obviously, that was faulty thinking. It actually endangers me in more than one way. And it's true what this last line says. Like, it's not a, I'll never do this. It's just, I cannot do that today. And that's fine. And that's when you pray for the willingness to do the next right thing, or you pray for the willingness to get through the step. And look, to be honest... Some of our character defects we'll have throughout the rest of our lives, but at least we do the work enough to know when they're triggered and what to do with them. If we're looking to obliterate them and become like the most pious of people on the face of the planet, that will never happen. It's like for everybody I know that practices meditation. If you are literally able to hit a moment where you feel, think, nothingness, just a black, dark hole, you're probably dead. So if that's what you're trying to attain in meditation probably not going to happen. Then in step seven, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we asked because we can only really ask for today, right? In step eight, we continued our house cleaning. When you hear people say clean house in the program, that's what it's talking about. It's doing the steps and keeping our side of the, the street clean. What do we say? Love God, clean house, serve others. I can't remember. In step eight, we continued our house cleaning. For we saw that we were not only in conflict with ourselves, but also with people and situations in the world in which we lived. This is a very appropriate message right now for COVID. We had to begin to make our peace. And so we listed the people we had harmed and became willing to set things right. We followed this up in step nine by making direct amends to those concerned, except, except, except when it would injure them or other people. By this time at step 10, we had begun to get a basis for daily living, and we keenly realized that we would need to continue taking personal inventory, and when we, 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 were wrong, We ought to promptly admit it. In step 11, we saw that if a higher power had restored us to sanity and had enabled us to live with some peace of mind in a sorely troubled world, then such a higher power was worth knowing better by as direct contact as possible. That's what step 11 is, by the way. It's my favorite step. Directly being in contact with God. I heard something the other day, and I'm going to finish after we read this paragraph. After I read this paragraph, 
I heard someone say about God, when you pray to God, try to focus on him, her, it, however you identify your higher power, as much as possible. Because how would you feel if God wasn't focusing on you when you were talking to him? And I was like, what? I would be so upset. And so it's like a sign of respect and humility for me. And look, we're human beings. I'm a human being. I often will pray and then all of a sudden I'm thinking something completely different. I've gone away from prayer and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was praying. And I know we can't be perfect. It's progress, not perfection, right? But it really made me look at how I take for granted that when I talk to God, I know he's paying attention to me and I know he's there with me. And I, I want to give him my very best. The persistent use of meditation and prayer, we found, did open the channel so that where there had been a trickle, and it's talking about our connection, there was now a river which led to sure power and safe guidance from God as we were increasingly better able to understand him. So practicing these steps, we had a spiritual awakening about which finally there was no question. And if you haven't had your spiritual awakening yet, it's okay. It will happen, I promise you. And the difference between a spiritual experience and a spiritual awakening is the spiritual experience is the aha moment or the like (gasps) moment where some sort of truth hits you in a way it hasn't before. And the spiritual awakening is when you start to live differently as a result of that awakening or experience. Looking at those who were only beginning and still doubted themselves, the rest of us were able to see the change setting in. From great numbers of such experiences, we could predict that the doubter who still claimed that he hadn't got the spiritual angle and who still considered his well-loved AA group the higher power would presently love God and call him by name. Now, what about the rest of the 12th step, the wonderful energy it releases because it's service, right? And practicing all the principles and the eager action by which it carries our message to the next suffering alcoholic and which finally translates the 12 steps into action upon all our affairs is the payoff, the magnificent reality of Alcoholics Anonymous. Even the newest of newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his brother alcoholic, the one who is even blinder than he. This is indeed the kind of living that actually demands nothing. He does not expect his brother sufferer to pay him or even to love him. And then he discovers that by the divine paradox of this kind of giving, he has found his own reward, whether his brother has yet received anything or not. His own character may still be gravely defective, but he somehow knows that God has enabled him to make a mighty beginning, and he senses that he stands at the edge of new mysteries, joys, and experiences of which he has never even dreamed. I'm going to stop there. I hope you have enjoyed that. Oh, I just love it so much. I love my meetings. I love this program. I swear to God, these readings never get old for me. So um, I wish you a good day. It is just after 10 o'clock here p.m. in Toronto. It snowed today. Winter is not over yet. Um, 
And I hope you had a happy 24. If you didn't, know that the day is coming to a close. If you're listening to this at night and you have a new chance tomorrow, as long as we wake up, there's hope and there's a new day and there's a new chance for us. So thank you for being with me and I'll talk to you tomorrow.